You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh, of course, the show brought to you by Brad, your local John Deere equipment supplier. Now we're going to supply some fine basketball knowledge. Absolutely delighted to welcome into the show to not only discuss the early uh, stages of the NBA season, but uh, talk about what, uh, one of the new initiatives of the NBA this season, which is the uh, NBA in-season tournament. This uh, annual new uh, competition involves all 30 sides that uh, started I think about 10 or so days ago and all wraps up early December with the championship I think Saturday 9th of December to be exact, uh, to uh, decode this and talk about all the big issues. Uh, we are thrilled to welcome back to SENZ, a man who knows all about this competition. Binyam Kadani joins us, uh, NBA Australian Senior Editor. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Going well, thanks, mate. Thanks for having us. Yeah, living the dream. Living the dream, having the time of your life. Like Christmas comes early for you, two months early. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. The uh, the in season tournament, uh, a nice bit of fun uh, early in the uh, in the season. The NBA season's off to a off to a great start. Well, tell me about the in uh, season tournament because you know there's a lot of hardened NBA fans who know this. Are probably eye rolling at me now, going, "We don't, we know." But there's a lot of fans who are sort of dipping in and out of the sport who might have not caught up with it. It might flick on the television set and see these courts uh, adorned with what I would say sensory assaulting court designs uh, but that's all part of it yeah absolutely mate there's uh there's no chance you'll miss an in-season tournament game those courts definitely definitely do stand out uh, along with the jerseys as well so it's a, a pretty visually uh you know impactful thing the in-season tournament and the nba has done you know a pretty good job in terms of really promoting this tournament really trying to get it across uh eyeballs there is still you know a little bit of confusion on how it works what the games actually mean uh you know not even just for fans some of the players as well you know, we're only you know one or two games in for uh, for a lot of these teams uh, who play these tournament games on uh, on designated tournament nights. So that one day, all the games will just be in season tournament games. But they all do still count towards the regular season uh, standings. There's only one extra game uh, potentially for for two teams who will play in that uh, in that championship. So whilst it's adding a different kind of game to the regular season, uh, it's not actually adding any additional games uh, for a lot of these teams. It just kind of changes the impact of, uh, of some of these regular season games and gives other teams, you know, who aren't necessarily maybe fighting for the uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy, you know, something else to maybe try and take home with them this season. Yeah, well, just elaborate on that, because this product, the NBA, is globally so successful. It, it, ha- it, ha- it is working and it continues to work, continues to grow. So why do you think the NBA felt it was really important to, you know, a- add a whole new dimension to the regular season? Well, I think, you know, the, the regular season in recent years, you know, has come under some criticism for maybe being too long and, you know, maybe the games 
you haven't seemed to matter as much as as teams kind of really try and focus on ramping up towards uh towards the playoffs and and you know it is a long season uh it does sort of have its have its ups and downs so i think this is just a way of you know maybe keeping fans engaged in in, in a different element uh of the game we see you know the focus the nba has kind of taken uh has been you know what we've seen in european football with the champions league the fa cup uh and also you know in spain they have the uh, uh the copa del rey as well so trying to take those those elements i think you know from european uh football and uh, and basketball and trying to bring that uh to the us you know potentially for growth down the track who knows what this tournament could look like whether it one day does involve international teams um but i think you know for them it's it, it's about you know giving the fans something else to to kind of look forward to this season uh, and and also just for the players you know there is a prize pool a bit of extra money on the line as well and you know i i like this for maybe not necessarily the better teams i think there's going to be some of these younger teams that might you know really try and get their hands on this uh, on this trophy because i spoke to the warriors coach steve kerr uh before the tournament tipped off and you know he kind of saw the benefits of you know maybe getting into some some late season reps some some tight situations that will come in handy down down the line in the postseason uh when you do have to play those uh those highly contested you know playoff games getting those kind of rotations and repetitions in early in the season you know, could could ultimately pay off for some of these teams as well so you're telling me, as a long-time Bulls fan, I've actually got something to look forward to this season other than the trade deadline. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you, you generally break the season up you know, between the tip-off, Christmas Day, uh, the trade deadline, All-Star Weekend, and then, then the playoffs. So just adding something in a little bit, uh, a little bit earlier in the season, it's a bit of fun. And look, you know, when the playing tournament came in a couple of seasons ago, even you know, I was a little sceptical. I, I, I didn't really know why we were doing yeah. this, what this was for. You fast forward a couple of years, now I think it's one of the best things uh, the NBA has done. The, the back end of the regular season is a whole lot more interesting now. Those last two weeks that you know, were kind of already done and dusted, everyone kind of knew who was, who was going to be in that, uh, you know, those eight seeds in the East and West. Now that's completely up in the air right until the end of the regular season. So I think the skepticism I definitely get you know, for the in-season tournament because it is a little bit of a, what's this all for and what are we doing? But... I think once we get into the knockout rounds and we do get that NCAA-style single elimination, win or go home basketball is always fun. And then we'll get that championship in, uh, in Vegas as well. Um, so when you throw in all those factors together, uh, I think this could be a bit of fun this season for the, uh, the in-season tournament. Has it been well-received? I'm listening to maybe what the players are saying about it, but what about the coaches? Uh, are they fine? Have they embraced it a few bit? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it, it, it's not really much to embrace just yet because the, the games aren't necessarily like, I mean, they count towards the regular season. There's another table uh, that goes into the actual in-season tournament table. So I think it wouldn't really make sense until the knockout rounds start because right now they're just playing regular yeah, season that makes games sense. Yeah. in different jerseys and different courts. You know, it's, it's, So it's kind of ultimately the same thing uh, right now. But I think once those knockout knockout game start. I think that's when we'll really start to see momentum pick up for the uh, for the tournament. All right. Without running the risk of getting people to turn off their radio dials, how does the tournament work? Because this, this can get a little bit confusing, right? <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, the way it works, you've got all 30 teams uh, randomly selected into into groups of, uh, of five. So you'll play four, four group games uh, and then the, the top team from each of those groups, uh, they'll all go through to the next round. So those six go through and then the next two best teams uh, on head-to-head and point differential, they'll go through. So it's eight teams will, will go into the knockout rounds and then it's just single elimination. And so it's, it's you, you win, you're through to the next round, you lose, you're out. And then the, the final four will converge uh, in Las Vegas, I think between December 7 and 9 
for the champion semifinals and uh, and championship. So those two teams that do advance to the championship game, that'll be one extra uh, regular season game. I think the prize pool of money is uh, I think it's about eighteen million dollars. So works out to be an extra you know five hundred thousand dollars for each um, each player. So there is a little something uh, to compete for. Um, and then ultimately, you know, you get the uh, the honor of adding uh, adding that uh, little bit of history of being the first in season tournament winners. So I'm uh, I'm excited for that uh, that that final four specifically in uh, in Vegas. I think I think that's going to be a real spectacle. Oh, we're going to have to get into our vernacular. Uh, you know, a cup run team. Or oh, they're they're a good cup side. They're a good cup yeah. side. What what would make what would make a good cup side in in basketball? What, someone who has the most erratic. Um, individual on the planet who can be hotter than you know the sun on one particular day, but often you know dishes up some uh, turgid performances on others. And if so, who fits that bill? To be honest, that's exactly what it, what it might come down to. You get one team that gets hot one day, and and, that, and that's the great thing about the NBA is any team can be any team on uh, on any given night. And once you once you raise the stakes, these guys are competitive. Uh, so no matter what's on the line, uh, they're going to want to go out there and uh, and compete. But I do like uh, you know these younger teams that are trying to make their way towards that kind of next level, whether it's the Sacramento Kings, the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, or the Dallas Mavericks. Those are the kind of teams that I think could uh, could really try and take this seriously. Uh, you know, maybe for the older teams, teams like the Warriors, you know, the Lakers, uh, are they really going to see as much value in it? I still think they will because ultimately all of the games leading up to that championship are still regular season games that they still need to win. Uh, so I think the competition element uh, is definitely going to be there and ultimately just pride as well. Like, if there's something on the line, you, you want to win that thing. Um, but I think, you know, these other teams that haven't necessarily made that leap just yet maybe want to, you know, step into the spotlight a little bit. You know, guys like Anthony Edwards, De'Aaron Fox, who are really sort of up-and-coming players. I think they'll, they'll maybe take this a little more seriously uh, than some of, the, some of the more established teams. But all you got to do is get uh, right. one game, one or two games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Chicago. Right, I'm going to win something. I'm excited. Uh, let, let, you know, allow me to talk about the season and broad brushstrokes overall. Uh, out west, the Nuggets, we all know, are pretty darn good, aren't they? Uh, they're eight and one. They lead there. Over on the east, uh, the Seventy Sixers. Let's start with them. They're seven and one. They're leading uh, all comers um, after having traded James Harden. It's almost like having James Harden on your rosters, uh, not on your rosters, is a good idea. A little bit of addition by subtraction uh, for the Seventy Sixers. They're rolling right now, seven games uh, in a row. And look, losing James Harden. You know, still one of the best offensive players in the league, but that allowed Tyrese Maxey to really step into the spotlight. This is this is a guy that's been getting better and better uh, every season. Now the ball's in his hands. He's not just entrusted to score. He's now a playmaker for this team. And all of a sudden, that two-man game with him and Joel Embiid looks like one of the most damaging duos uh, in the NBA. The Sixers team has a lot of role players that came over in that uh, in that Harden trade, guys. They can just sort of fill in fill in those 3 and D spots and let their two guys now really kind of take this team uh, to the next level. And you've got a young guy like Maxi, uh, who I think, you know, is, is potentially going to be an all-star this season. I, I think he's the most improved player because uh, he already was playing a lot last season. But I, I really like the 76ers team from that standpoint that they've just kind of kept things rolling. They they kind of had their, their core guy in, uh, in Joel Embiid as the, as the reigning MVP. Now you have this young guy, Maxi, who's, who's kind of taken this opportunity with both hands. They kind of look like a you know a sneaky uh, a sneaky option out there in the Eastern Conference when everyone was talking about the Celtics and the Bucks, uh, you know myself included in the preseason. But uh, Philadelphia is looking as good as any team right now. It's still so early, but is there a side say in the East um, that it's not too early to be worried about? Oh, uh, that's uh, that's a tough one. I mean, out of out of the contending teams, I think really it's the Miami Heat 
that we're maybe worried about. They're still sitting, you know, fourth in the East at, uh, at five and four. They've they started the season a little slow, but reeled off uh, reeled off four straight wins there. I, I still think they'll be there come the uh, the business end of the season. That's that's just what the Miami Heat do. Um, but in terms of teams you should be worried about, I think the bottom bottom third of that uh, that Eastern Conference is is pretty much locked in. I mean, you you look at the standings now; it doesn't look too too dissimilar outside of maybe the Milwaukee Bucks going on um going on a, a bit of a run. Uh, you know, they've lost two in a row as well. But I, I like Philly. I like Boston. I like uh, Milwaukee. And there's some surprise teams as well. Teams like the Indiana Pacers are doing well. The Orlando Magic, you know, who have you know really struggled uh, over the last few years. They look uh, they look really good. But if there's a team that I'm worried about, it's probably the New York Knicks because they kind of flow in and out of. You know, is this a good team? Are they a bad team? Are they a playoff team? Are they not? Uh, and right now, they're probably looking uh, a little bit more like the latter. Uh, but yeah, they're probably the two teams I'm 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 not as sold on would be uh, would be the Knicks um, and. Uh, and the and the Atlanta Hawks as well. I'm I'm not really too sure where they're where they're going to sit this season. Right. So conversely, if we ask, you know, it's way too early to get high on a certain side. Um, we, we might even have a little bit of crossover. You might mention the same teams. Yeah, and that's that's the beauty of things, right? It's yeah, there's uh there's there's kind of that core four teams that I, I think are nailed on in the uh, in the Eastern Conference, and, and it's pretty wide open to be honest. From sort of five through eight i think there's uh there's, there's a few teams that might uh, might sneak in uh and surprise and you can say the same about the western conference as well the nuggets uh you know they're off to a fantastic start they look as good if not uh, even better than they did uh last season but teams like the minnesota timberwolves they, they look terrific this season as i mentioned anthony edwards uh he's been fantastic to start this season uh as well the lakers are we worried about them probably i mean i i kind of thought on paper this might be the year that they could maybe stay healthy and, uh, and get it together. But, you know, they, 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 they came off a four-game losing streak themselves. And outside of LeBron James, who still somehow is the best player on this team, uh, I haven't really yeah. seen a whole lot from them so far to start this season. He's still doing it in year 21, which is uh, incredible. But I'm not sure if that's a reliable strategy for them. Oh, no, the guy turns 39 just after Christmas. It, it's just extraordinary. And it just makes you think how, like, like if you could convince him to play, play for like in perpetuity. Like, I know he's going to eventually retire. He, he's got a whole lot of money to go spend. But you wonder, you wonder, like, how effective he could be, you know, in his late forties. I reckon still, you know, could still play quite a role in an NBA team. It's crazy. We keep waiting for him to slow down, and uh, if he hasn't slowed down at thirty-eight, then <laughs> this might just be it for uh, for the next few years. He he genuinely looks like he could play at this level for a few more years. Uh, uh, which is which is ridiculous to think about, and the and the records he'll um, he'll probably break. But um, I'm 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 just enjoying watching him continue to do his thing, uh, even at this uh, this advanced age. The minutes he's put on his body, the miles he's put on his body, it's uh, it's pretty impressive to watch. And and we just haven't seen this before. We haven't seen a player uh, of his stature at his age still producing at this level. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, and I've got to ask about um, Inspector Gadget, uh, Victor Wimbanyama, with arms and legs that's everywhere. Just, just a, a physical specimen. I, I can't take my eyes off him. Like he's so unusual, but he what, is hitting all the hype because the hype was like seriously um, stratospheric. <laughs> Speaking of things we've never seen before, we've never seen this before. This guy is something else. The potential uh, the Spurs have with uh, with Wimbanyama. Um, is, is pretty incredible. Like any young player, there is always ups and downs. We, we saw him go for 38, uh, you know, just a week ago. And, and, and then, you know, the, you mix it in, you know, with some 
some more subdued performances. But he, he's still figuring things out uh, at this at this level. But you know, it's only been a couple of weeks into the season. We've already seen you know what kind of scary potential this guy possesses on both ends of the floor. He already looks like an A plus defender uh, just with his size and mobility. And then offensively, I mean, and we haven't seen a guy at seven foot four five be able to handle the ball, get out in transition, and. <laughs> And and just dominate like that, but I I, I think it's going to be scary. This rookie of the year race uh, with him and Chet Holmgren, who we also shouldn't sleep on on the Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, all the hype has kind of gone to Wembenyama, but uh, but Chet Holmgren, the number two pick from last season, he's he's kind of going bar for bar with uh, with Wemby this season. Oh yeah, but seriously, seven four, right? Seven four, and can seven handle four, the ball yeah. like that? Yeah, I don't know who seven said four it. It's would like, be like it's... a ballerina. Yeah, it's like, you know, when you when you invent a player on NBA, you know, PlayStation to play point and make him seven foot four. Like you're kinda of joking, you're having a laugh at yourself. Right? But we're but we're now living in this fantasy. We're now living in that world. Yeah, this is really the epitome of the uh, of the modern NBA. We've seen the big men continue to increase the skill set year on year, step out behind the three point line and when you get a guy at that size that can comfortably handle the ball, bring the bring the ball up the floor. And there's not really anything he can't do. That that's kind of crazy. But uh, again, he is only 19, 20 years old. The, the expectations for this kid were through the roof coming into this season. But you know, I think San Antonio, they're, they're not going to just try and run him into the ground in, in his rookie season. I think they'll be pretty careful about managing his output and uh, the impact on his body as well. But you know, so far, you know, through the first couple of weeks of this season, um, the potential for this kid looks as good as advertised. It's going to be a fun ride for this Spurs team who. Now, all of a sudden, uh, you know, guaranteed league pass attention. You've got to watch this guy play every, uh, every game. Benyam, thanks so much, mate. Appreciate the time, the knowledge. Enjoy it. We'll catch up with you soon. Thanks for having me, mate.